It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how I'm talking, of course, about Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775. Today's show is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trips. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Jason Hershorn is on the show today, and he and I are talking about fringe players, guys who are not locks to make the roster, but who we think could potentially not only make the roster, but make an impact on the Packers this season. Yesterday's show focused a lot on the big stories out of OTAs. The the show before that focused on our tribute to Bart Starr. If you miss those shows, go back and check those out. If you're subscribed to the show, they should already be on your phone. I don't know why you haven't listened. Go go listen to them. what What are you doing? Pause this, go back and listen to those shows and catch up on us in, you know, 40 to 45 minutes, whenever, however long it takes you to listen to those shows. We appreciate it. Please go do that if you've missed out. Uh, but so Jason's here and Jason's great. And we always have a good time with Jason. And, you know, this is an interesting time of year for us on this show and as as fans of the game and as fans of the Packers and and however you view yourself in the realm of the NFL world because we have limited information. We have OTAs and we have word out of OTAs and we have the reports and we have the discussions being had by coaches and the things that they say. And, you know, I think the, the coach's words are important to a point. And then at other times I go, you know, I don't know if I trust that coach. You know, you hear Joe Witt in Cleveland talk about how great he thought Jermaine Whitehead was. And I watch him and I go, I don't know, that guy was kind of kind of trash. And, and the Packers cut him after one bad game. So how good could he have been? 
And, oh, he said, oh, well, I always knew Demarius Randall was a free safety. Except that in the run-up to Demarius Randall's first season, uh, Ted Thompson said, no, he's a corner. And Randall himself said, no, I think my best position is corner. So this is you, you have to be careful with all this. And it's, it's important to remember that when coaches speak, they have an agenda when speaking. And, and a lot of what they say is directed not toward the media, but at the players in their locker room. They, I, mean, I mentioned on Twitter that, that Matt LaFleur has been overwhelmingly positive in the things that he's been saying, and, and he seems genuinely excited about the players on his team. And that stuff is important. But I think it's also indicative of his coaching style. And Mike McCarthy was someone who was very even keeled. He was very matter of fact. And, and yes, it is the case. He was very confident in his team, very supportive of his team. And he would say, look, I love, you know, X player. I think such and such has done a great job for us. And I have faith in them. But it was a different vibe than what we're getting from Matt LaFleur. And the energy level is different. Nathaniel Hackett gets in front of the cameras and he seems genuinely juiced about what's going on in this Packers organization, what's going on with the players on the field, what they're doing in the in the coaching rooms. And it's just different. Now, again, you have to take it all with a little bit of a grain of salt because they want this message to be the message. This is part of the deal. When you are a coach in the NFL, you have a responsibility to your players at all times to represent yourself a certain way and to represent the team a certain way and to present this particular front. And I don't mean front in a in a way that you know you could you could interpret as uh, disingenuous or even you know not not true. I think it is you want to present a united front. And by front I just sort of mean this is the this is the presentation that this coaching staff wants to make to the the league and to the players and to the media and to everyone to say this is who we are this is what we do and that that is also important I mean we can learn from that as well so just just keep all of that in mind as we work to keep all of this in perspective moving forward before we get to Jason I want to let you know today's show is also sponsored by Grip6, an ultra lightweight belt with no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip6 for this special offer at Grip6, gripthenumber6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. 
Age and location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, let's get to Jason. You can find him on SB Nation. You can find him at NFL.com. You can find him any number of places. His work is ubiquitous. It is everywhere. You can follow him on Twitter at by underscore JBH. Jason, thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers. Your record-setting appearance. I don't actually know if it's a record because I don't I have lost count, but I'm sure I'm sure you have the record. Look, it's like the Golden State Warriors adding Kevin Durant. They were already the best, far away in the lead. And now you're talking about historic levels of dominance. I Listen, I totally agree. So we're going to do something a little bit different on the show today. I, I know that the uh, there are going to be listeners who are hoping that we're already doing the Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst uh, game where we, we, we go through the roster. We're going to do something similar. Oh, it, uh, we're not We're going to do that, that in good time. For, there's no question that is that is coming uh, and th- that's going to be fun when we do it. It's going to be new because it's new characters this time. But what we're going to do today is look at the roster and try and identify some of our favorite players on the cusp. The guys on the fringe of making the roster, you know, on a 53 man roster, maybe they're the 53rd guy, maybe they're the 55th guy, maybe they're the 65th guy. But we think they have a chance if things go right to make the roster. But it's not certainly a lock for them. When when we when we started planning on this, was there a name or two that that just jumped out to you right away? Yeah, there are two names in particular that I feel are not obviously guaranteed to be on the roster, but are guys that I think if things break right could have not just a bigger role than I think the majority are expecting, but at least in one case might be one of the more important players on the defense. So yeah, there there are definitely some guys that stick out for this conversation. Well, we we both have a list of players. Neither of us has seen the others list. So that's going to make this a little bit more interesting and exciting as well. So give me the first name on your list. Okay, the guy that I think this entire conversation is really built around for me is a defensive lineman who was a rookie last year, Tyler Lannister. Now, this is someone who was undrafted, was able to get a fair amount of snaps later in the season as injuries just decimated that defense and specifically the defensive line. But I don't think people realize how well that he played. Now, he got about 208 snaps in total. About 104 of them were at nose tackle, which I think is where we expect him to see most of his work if he makes the Packers this year. But he was so good in that role. For a defense at that point, did not have very much around him. So Pro Football Focus has this statistic called defensive stops, which Mm -hmm. is basically the offense on first down gets 45% or less of the way towards the first down. On second down, that's they, they finished 60% or less of the way there. And on third down, that means you just stop them from getting a first down. So the, the, what the metric means depends on the situation, but it's a very good stat for sort of figuring out, like, are these tackles meaningful or is this the old A.J. Hawk, you know, three yards after the first down kind of situation? And Tyler Lannister finished fourth on the entire team in this metric, 19 defensive stops. And keep in mind, he did not play anywhere close to the fourth most snaps on that defense. And it gets even more impressive when you adjust for the amount of times that he was just in run defense. He was able to produce a defensive stop 13.9% of the time, nearly 14% of the time. That was far away the best on the team. No one else was within two and a half percentage points of him in that metric. So this is a guy who's already basically a do your job and do your job well kind of player. 
doesn't get a lot of acclaim. Obviously, you know, an undrafted player, not a lot of people know him, or at least didn't last year. But for a team that needs to monitor Kenny Clark's snaps, this is a guy who is probably the most important player on the defense, at least the most important player in the defensive front. And there was there was a point last year where he was playing, I think it was over 80% of all the defensive snaps. You just cannot have a guy that big playing that that consistently and expect him not to deteriorate as the season wears on, which we did see in 2018. So Tyler Lannister is the kind of player who can come in, take some of those snaps away from Kenny Clark so he doesn't get overworked, and play pretty well in that role. I just appreciate that you did that whole segment acting like Tyler was uh, Tyrion, Tyrion's brother, even though his last name is Lancaster. Did I say Lannister the whole time? The whole time. <laughs> well, I feel like your audience can forgive me, given that they have listened to uh, Sternberger for how many weeks? <laughs> I mean, way too many weeks. And the Game of Thrones finale was just on Sunday. So, I mean, I think that's fine. But it is telling, though, that, that you know, this is the level of player that we're talking about here. Guys who's, whose names we aren't even 100% positive we know how to pronounce. I, I really like the, the, the pick there. I, I think you're right that he was productive in some of the stretches that he was in. And they're, like, low-key thin at that position. Uh, without Mike Daniels uh, early in OTAs, I mean, Dean Lowry and Montrevious Adams are having to play a ton of snaps. He is someone, I think, you know, that was why the Ed Oliver pick was so appealing for a lot of fans, that this was a, a situation where Green Bay, they're they're looking for bodies at that position. And speaking of looking for bodies at that position, with the news breaking that Josh Jones wants a trade, there are two names that become even more interesting to me on the fringes of this roster, and that's Natrell Jamerson and Mike Tyson. Not just because they're great names and not just because they play safety, but I think because now you you have to look at that spot. If the Packers do trade Josh Jones, if they cut Josh Jones, these are two guys who are going to be in a position to pick up some of those reps. Jamerson was a fifth-round pick of the Saints played cornerback, I think, out of position. We saw an OTAs already a safety with the Packers. And then Mike Tyson had two starts last year for Houston. Uh, you know, not someone that that comes with a lot of draft pedigree either, but someone who did play and someone who in in two games, in two starts, was did not allow a reception in his area. So that that is, you know, that's something. That's something. It's more than what Kentrell Bryce was likely to give them. He's nowhere to be found. And, it, you know, it's more than, well, maybe not more than what Jermaine Whitehead would have given them. But I think both of these players are young, have some upside, and and can do what you need backup players to do in addition to be useful potential backups, play special teams as well. And that's what you need if you're a fringe player trying to make a roster like this. Yeah, and in terms of Jamerson in particular, now you're right that he looks like he's going to be spending most of his time at safety, at least this season early on, but he was practicing a corner for the Packers at times last year, and mm -hmm. you know how much that defense values defensive backs with that versatility. I mean, we, we you just talked about Whitehead, who did a lot of that last season, playing some safety, playing some in the slot, definitely playing on special teams and a linebacker. Uh Darnell Savage, one of the top draft picks for the Packers of this year, is also going to see time at corner and safety in a lot of those little roles. So Jamerson probably doesn't have the talent level of those guys, but he does have that versatility. And if the Packers are trying to figure out who's going to be maybe the last defensive back they keep, someone who can cover multiple spots is going to have a leg up. 
and, and we don't know. We haven't seen anything with Mike Tyson yet. We know he has a great name, uh, but he has played professional football before. So, I mean, that's, that is a leg up over some of these other guys who don't really have that experience, certainly not as starters. So that, that's an interesting, I think, position battle to monitor that is now more interesting with what's going on with Josh Jones. Who's the next name on your list? All right. The, the other guy who I was really excited about that I thought you were going to take is Kendall Donerson, one of the mm. Packers late round picks in 2018, basically did not play as a rookie. It was a de facto red shirt. Yep. So it's not that we saw something from Donerson that implies that he is going to be a meaningful contributor or that he's going to be even more than that. But what we do know is that he might be the best athlete on the team full stop. And this is a team that just drafted Rashawn Gary. Kendall Donerson, at least by one metric, is the most athletic player the Packers have drafted, certainly in the Brian Gutekinds era and possibly even going back to the Ted, Ted Thompson era. His relative athletic score is 9.9. And this is, again, above Rashawn Gary, some of these other guys. He didn't go to the combine, but he did go to a pro because he came from a small school. And at 250 plus pounds, he ran a 4.440, a 7.03 second three cone, a 40 inch vertical, 131 inch broad jump. So this is just tremendous athleticism, just, just a great athlete that the team can mold. Now he's going into his second season, his first full off season in the NFL. And this is really his opportunity to stand out because there probably is more of an opportunity ahead of him than it seems like on paper. If you look at the two Smiths that the Packers spent big free agent money on, both those guys are going to spend at least some of their snaps inside. We saw mm-hmm. that certainly with with Zaria Smith in Baltimore. And Preston Smith didn't do it quite as much, but he did do it a fair amount. So you have to anticipate that Mike Penn, who likes to do those kind of things with players that have that body type, is going to also move them inside in certain situations. So in terms of the guys who are going to be full-time edge rushers, there's not really a long list. Donerson is on that is on that list. Kyler Fackrell, who we've discussed before on this podcast, is the most paper tiger of maybe any player on that Packers defense. And Reggie Gilbert, who another former undrafted player who has turned himself into a decent NFL player, but not someone who's a, a top line player, not someone who's guaranteed to make the roster. If Donerson can show more promise than Gilbert, which with his athletic traits, he should be able to. And he can at least show enough of improvement that they could play him with or ahead of Kyler Fackrell, I think he's making this team and seeing some snaps, whereas last year he was inactive for the couple of weeks he was on the roster. Yeah, and and I think when you look at the way this roster looks right now, with the inside linebacker situation the way it is, could we see something that that some Packer fans and, and Packer media bloggers have suggested before, and that is, you know, can Kyler Fackrell give them some snaps inside? Because he's he's more comfortable in space than you would expect. I don't I don't know if that is, you know, a, a tenable solution for them, but certainly Kendall Donerson's development, you have to think, would would make them at least think about deploying all of these guys in unique ways, given the athleticism that someone like Donerson has. Gary, you can play anywhere in their front. I think you have to be, if you're gonna pick someone to be really excited about in this preseason process. Donerson is certainly at or or near the top of any list you can put together. The the question is just going to be development, right? How much better can he get? And how many outside linebackers are they going to keep? We know there's going to be three. We think Fackrell makes four. 
So then is he competing with Reggie Gilbert? I mean, what is what is the rest of that rotation look like? We don't know. No, we don't. But the one thing that could weigh, not just in, honestly, Donnerson's favor, but when a lot of those guys are on the fringe at that outside linebacker position, is they could decide to keep fewer true defensive linemen knowing that Darius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary are going to take snaps there and then give those spots to the outside linebacker group. If they feel that that contains more overall talent, it's something that we've seen them do in the past. I want to get into this conversation about this position through this player. I don't know if he's going to make the team. I don't know if he should make the team. He is an interesting player to me because of the discussion around him and the way that he could be used in this offense. And that is the Duke of Hazard, Alan Lazard, whose name I could just not pronounce for a long time, specifically because the solid verbal nickname screwed him up for me forever. Uh, again, mispronouncing names. I really liked the, the, the player he was in college and was not sure at all that he could be a receiver in the NFL, just based on some of the athletic limitations that he has. But Green Bay has been one of the best teams in the league at developing receivers. And... There's a lot of potential turnover at the bottom of this roster. Does Trevor Davis make it just by being a return man? Does Jake Kumaro make this team? Can he force his way onto the team? And could someone like Lazard have a role as a big slot, someone who maybe even grows into a move tight end type player I don't know if Green Bay is going to be willing to do that, but it's certainly something that's been discussed with him. And and I, it's an intriguing proposition to me. Where where do you stand on that? Lazard was actually not a player I seriously considered for this. However, you can actually paint a pretty decent path for him. So let's just say Jamon Moore, who you and I both like in what we think the Matt LaFleur offense is going to look like. Let's say that he does not put it together for the second straight year, and then the Packers feel like they don't have to protect him with a roster spot. And let's say Kumaro doesn't really slide into that big slot role that a lot of us see him performing in. Then it comes to a point where, especially if Trevor Davis's return abilities don't save him a roster spot, there are, there are holes there that the Packers could look to other positions or other players for. And Alan Lazard has a very interesting background. Now, you said he was undrafted. That's true. He's not the overall athlete that some of these other guys are. But he was dominant enough in college that Iowa State, which does not have a lot of offensive talent, generally speaking, decided to play Hakeem Butler, a, a 6'6 receiver, in the slot. Like That's how well Alan Lazard played at that point in time. And he's a guy with an intriguing skill set from the perspective of a team that is going to try to work the seams more than it did under Mike McCarthy the last few years. I think that makes some sense for him. I, I just need to see it. I mean, he was on the practice squad last year. We we didn't see him in action. And you're basically just going back to his college tape, which was intriguing, but it didn't answer all the questions about his athleticism. No, and and obviously this is you know I, I, this this pick is more about trying to parse what the Green Bay Packers are going to do at the receiver position. Are they going to keep a bunch of them again? You know, I think that's a that's a, a murkier question now that that Matt Lafleur is the head coach. How many are they going to need if they're going to play two receivers much more often than they did under Mike McCarthy? Do they need six or seven of these guys on the roster? Maybe they don't. And and who does that keep off the list if that's the case? So, you know, like you said, there's a path here. I think there's some intriguing things with him. 
And the 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 move to tight end is something that is also intriguing. They don't have beyond Sternberger and Robert Tanyan, they don't have tight ends under contract in 2020. So is this something where they can say, we're going to change your position? They try and practice squad him or they try and, you know, slide him onto IR. Let's say they he oh, uh, his wrist is hurt. And then they make that transition next year. I think that's the that's something that it could be appealing. Just just considering his skill set, his ability to body up defenders, his ability to be productive in the red zone and and threaten the seams despite that lack of athlete elite athleticism, is something that that is intriguing to me. Yeah, I mean, I remember that conversation, the, the tight end conversation coming up with Lazard, not just during the draft, but also at times when he was with Jacksonville. So it, it's not totally out of the question. I, I don't think the Packers are going to do that right now, but if they like what they see and just don't feel there's a spot for him and they're looking to that tight end position in 2020 and beyond, which we expect them to do, it, it's something that they could consider very seriously. All right. Is there anyone else on your list here? All right, I, I will grant that the drop-off from my top two guys to the third guy is pretty significant, but I still think this guy is worth mentioning. Cornerback Tony Brown. He was someone that the Packers brought to the team during the 2018 season. And if you look at his overall numbers, they are not particularly good. He, like many players on the defense, struggled during the back end of the season when there were so many injuries and they were being forced, especially the corners, to cover for, you know, two and a half, three, four seconds, much longer than you typically have a cornerback perform that job. But if you look at this little window between week four, when Tony Brown first joined the team and about a week 11, when, you know, afterwards the team just fell apart defensively in terms of injuries, you actually see what could be a pretty useful player in terms of his coverage snaps. He was targeted 11 times. Seven of those were receptions, but they didn't go very far. Only 78 yards, only give a four first downs, no touchdowns was not beaten deep. That's what you want from a back of the roster cornerback, especially one that is going to bring some value on special teams. Now, he needs to not get penalties as often as he did last season on special teams, but that was an issue that was independent of Brown. I mean, we we saw Josh Jones also pick up several penalties in that capacity. That was a Ron Zook issue, not a player issue necessarily. And I think if Tony Brown can remain a useful player in special teams and show more like he did during that window in 2018, that's the guy you want as one of your last corners on the roster. I love it. And I loved I love Tony Brown coming out of college. I thought he should have been a safety and and he was wildly impressive to me as a cornerback and I don't mean that in a vacuum. I mean that relative to, you know, what I think I thought he could be coming out and what I expected from him as an undrafted free agent rookie. I I have been on the on the side of I think he can play that sort of nickel safety role, maybe even true safety role, but his cover skills are better than you would think. And he plays with an attitude, which is something that I've always really liked about him. There's going to, it's going to be a dogfight for these last few defensive back spots to your point about Jamerson early, his, his ability to play multiple positions. I think Tony Brown can play multiple positions. You know, this is, this has the potential to be a deep secondary with the additions that they've made in the off season. And, you know, it's it's not going to be them searching for guys to put on the roster this year. It's going to be them having to make some difficult decisions about some of these guys. Yeah, and I think they'll, in the end, be able to sneak some decent players onto the practice squad. They do every year, but they have been very cautious about that uh, in the last couple of seasons under Gutekunst. I mean, uh, Taysom Hill 
a quarterback that just burst onto the scene during the preseason, they felt very comfortable letting him go to waivers and expecting him to make it to their practice squad. And it did not work out, obviously. That's, I think, at least half the reason that Tim Boyle was on the 53-man roster all of last season. So now that's just one position, but I think they're going to take that approach with high upside players going forward who they would otherwise have cut in the past. One name that I'm gonna that I'm gonna throw out as the 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 you know the exclamation point, if you will, on this conversation is a player that I don't I, I would not project him making the roster. I don't think it's more likely than not even that he makes the roster, but is a name that is intriguing to me just to see how he performs. Could he be a developmental player? And that is Curtis Bolton, the linebacker from Oklahoma. Just one year as a starter at Oklahoma, but had a huge season last year. And it's the, I think there's like just the idea of him. I mean, he is not big, you know, six flat, 218, more like a safety in terms of size. But he can fly around. He plays fast. And if he can, if he can show some, some juice as a special teams player, Green Bay is is pretty thin at inside linebacker. I mean, you have Blake Martinez, you have Warren Burks, you have Ty Summers, and Ty Summers was a seventh round pick. So, you know, obviously there's room on special teams there. I think that he is someone that if you're if you're looking at a sleeper, someone who could have a breakout, much in the same way that someone like um, James Crawford did. And just as a special teams player earned his way onto the field, I, I think Bolton could be in the position to do the same at a position where Green Bay, like I said, doesn't have a lot of bodies. My only note on this is I thought this list consisted of only non-rookies. And if we were including rookies, Curtis Bolton would absolutely have been on that list. He was the face of my annual UDFA prospectus that I do on the Packers. And yeah, I don't just think that he's a guy who can contribute on special teams. I think that he will at some point in the 2019 season, if the Packers do retain him, be able to play regular defensive snaps. He is a tremendous athlete for the position. He also, granted, played on a defense that oftentimes struggled to stop the opposing offense, but that was not because of Bolton. He has the material to be a coverage linebacker and be able to do something in the blitz game something that we we know that Mike Pettin likes. He likes to be able to take those second tier or, or second level uh, defensive players and use them in some of those exotic blitzes. Bolton does have the size and speed to do that. So yeah, I, I absolutely believe that Curtis Bolton could make this team. And yeah, I, I just wish you paid attention to the rules, Peter. Well, it's my podcast, so I, I can I can make the rules on these things, even though it's your idea. Jason, let my listeners, if they don't already know, and they should already know, I bet they already know, but let them know you, you your work is everywhere. So let them know all of the myriad places where they can find what you do. Well, you can find me on Twitter at by underscore JBH. I write for SB Nation. I write for NFL.com. I freelance at places like fansided.com. And yeah, if you follow me on social media, you should be able to find my work. All right, Jason. Remember, a Lancaster always repays his debts. Keep that in mind next time, Peter. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's 
killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store this episode is brought to you by philips one by sonicare one up your brushing with philips one this one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old-school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long-lasting battery-powered or USB rechargeable one. The comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E. All right, I want to thank Jason for coming back on the show. He is always here. He is his an appearance from Jason is never far away on Locked on Packers. That is certainly true. We'll be back next week. Uh, four shows next week Monday through Thursday is the schedule we'll be here we'll get that uh, Kingsley Kiki rookie orientation and a lot more content coming the offseason is still our season this is still prime time for the Locked On Packers podcast we're going to bring you interviews I've still got a ton of I mean we have we have a full draft class rookie orientation coming so Keep an eye out for all of that stuff. And the best way to do that is to be subscribed. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya. Find it out the Himalaya podcast app. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And you know where else you can find Locked On Packers? My Twitter feed, at Peter underscore Bukowski. Also on the Locked On Packers Twitter feed, I made it really easy, at Locked On Packers. It's all there for you every day. If you have questions, I will try to answer them on Twitter as best I can. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, we will have a show next week dedicated solely to your questions. So keep sending them to me whenever I can incorporate those questions into a show. I will try to do that. Hit me up, 920-341-3775. You can always find a reason. You can always find some time, even in the offseason, to stay locked on Packers.